Okay, I forgot. I was gonna do. I wanted to sing a song. Um, what's a good song? Are you making fun of me for my my shitty intro Google. last week, where I was like, "I'm gonna sing a song," and I was like, "Shit, I'm not drunk enough. I'm not gonna sing a song." And then we we just bulldozed our way through that level of awkward and talked. Because yeah, so, so bravo. I, went, I went to Google and I typed in what defines a good song. And it says, not only does a good song need to have great chords, melodies, and lyrics, but should also create some sort of reaction or evoke a specific emotion. So is that like, um, is that like the KFC jingle? How does the KFC jingle go? I know I want the lyrics, not the stupid commercial. (laughs) The KFC jingle has lyrics? Like there's an actual song for KFC? Yeah. I know uh, Taco Bell has, a, in a recent commercial, used a turnstile song. They're like a hardcore punk rock metal-adjacent band that have been around for a very long time, but I guess are really getting big now, like, you know, 17 years into their career or whatever. And people are like, oh my god, you can get turnstile fries, because it's like the Taco Bell fries, where it's just fries with, like, taco seasoning on them. But it's kind of funny that in this the year of our lord 2022 a, a fast food chain is using a hardcore song to market their material that's crazy but then just from like a genre perspective like most people in the punk rock and hardcore genres don't want their music to be used as advertisements or like it seems vaguely antithetical right like you know they're very fuck the establishment we're edgy we're we're this and that uh and and so the whole thing's funny um not not knocking on, on anybody involved in any of these decisions. I don't really know the band that well. But I, I appreciate, like, I feel like there's a bit of an irony to it that I enjoy. Okay, so it's interesting. I'm familiar with the commercial, which was very short. But there's, like, a bunch of words to this. And I think this is, oh no, this is like a medley of different jingles. Okay, so kids out of sight. No, that's not it. Okay, so I think it starts here. Um, there's barking at the kitchen, yelling in the hall, ringing at the doorbell, pounding on the wall. Kids out of sight and kids in the way. No time to cook on this hectic day. Come on, come on, come on. Get a bucket of chicken, finger licking good. Have a barrel of fun. Goodbye, ho-hum, say hello to your family. Come on, everyone, at Kentucky Fried Chicken, have a barrel of fun. I suppose in your defense and in KFC's defense, McDonald's or Burger King, one of them has you know, the Two All Beef Patties song. Uh, I can't remember which fast food chain that is, but I, I guess like the, the idea of having an actual song that's more than like six words or you know three seconds of music isn't that crazy but i don't well, like this it this is a very old like this is a like 70s I, I feel like commercials were different then oh wow this this kind of hurts on my good headphones holy shit oh yeah you got to turn that down oh wow it's so it's so high it it sharp i don't even want to listen to all of it it's horrible I mean, it's it's shitty in a lot of ways, but I, I the, the the audio quality is is unpleasant. I would love to go. Here's a really horrible use for a time machine. You go back in time to uh, the seventies and like executives, you know, that are making commercials. You show them an Old Spice commercial from like 2018, and be like, "This is what commercials are in 2018." Well, no, that's think- how we got those um those terrible. Uh, what was it? Um, Quiznos hamsters. Oh yeah, someone I traveled back in those. time, <laughs> and they came out too early. Those would fly really well now. Those were unpleasant yeah. then, but I feel like no, they the were just ahead of the time. I, 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 that's that's the weird thing with those. It's that it was kind of like some Adult Swim stuff where they're clearly tapping into something that existed. But it's like you're marketing it to 14-year-olds that spend too much time on the internet, and those people don't have Quiznos money right now. Like, wait four more years, and this would have worked out. 
I'm really disappointed that there is not a lot of Quiznos uh, creature porn on E621. There isn't even any. There's one picture oh. of them together. One's playing a, a, an acoustic guitar, and they're ugly, and that's fair. And then there's another picture of Big Mac having sex with Applejack, um, vaguely maybe against her will, and he is talking about all of the subs, subway and, and sandwich places he wants to go to. Okay, I'm Stallion here, and I say we embrace the glorious world of Quiznos subs. <laughs> You're not wrong. Quiznos isn't bad. <laughs> um, we're talking about now. This is a jingle, but this is a little bit adjacent to that. Are you familiar with the hamburger, cheeseburger, Big Mac Whopper song? No. Let me. It, so this guy does like throat singing. Oh, interesting. You, you, but he, it's, it's like the lyrics are nonsensical because he just sort of repeats these words over and over again. A hamburger song. Is this a real like, thing? What, what's this from? Or is this just it's, some? It's dude like in a, a comedy car? skit. Oh, okay. Um, but you can like skim forward to like get to the music part. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty funny. Also, pretty decent throat singing. Good on him. He's very. Yeah, bassy. that's the funny part. It's so odd but there's an element of it that's kind of uh aesthetically pleasing and what was weird was uh we were on vr chat and we found this dumb like meme world that had a bunch of dumb jokes in it did i show you that with all the doors um maybe we definitely went to a place with lots of doors before and one of them was like it, it played this song and it like just displayed pictures of hamburgers and it was like, it took me back in time. Like, I was nostalgic for this song. <laughs> and it's been, like, in the back of my mind ever since we found that on VR chat. Was this, like, on, like, E-Bombs World or something? Like, some old internet Yeah, this is, this is, like, 2009 era. Um, or, you know, old internet. <laughs> I kind of... Sometimes I miss that. And other times I super fucking don't. You know, it's really strange. So I'm on knowyourmeme.com for this song. And it's like, here's this video that was uploaded on YouTube in 2009. And then here's like the historical spread. And it shows like crummy video footage of, you know, like schools where like kids are doing skits and like Windows Media Player videos. And I was like, oh, wow, this really takes me back. And you scroll down a bit more and there's Instagram dancing to the song. And it's like, this is so weird to like time travel quickly through the internet this fast, where it gave me like this culture whiplash. Remember the kitty cat dance song? Oh, this is familiar. I created the, uh, hi, I'm Steve Ibsen. I created the kitty cat dance back in 2004. Yeah, I, there's things about old internet that I really do miss. I remember, you know God, I like? <laughs> there was an old episode of The Simpsons where uh, there, there was like some kind of show. I don't remember if this was like an award show, variety show, but like Crusty the Clown was hosting it. And they had this throwaway line about how, um, and you know, hey, you're watching it live on TV. And those of you with the Internet are streaming it to your computers. And this is before video streaming worked. And it cuts to uh, the comic book guy and he's at his crappy computer which at the time was like decent um but like the web page is taking forever to load and it finally came up and it was a little like two by two inch gif of crusty on loop just going hey 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 and it's like blurry because that was like the best the internet video was at the time yeah and it's so weird because i feel like at the time you can get the joke and it lasted for a little bit and if you showed that to somebody now without any context, they wouldn't understand that that was like the standard. They just think, oh, they they didn't want to live stream it. I I don't know. The uh, the the rapid <laughs> growth and acceleration of just like everything still kind of blows my mind. Like when that kitty cat dance song came out, I was a sophomore in high school. 
And that's nuts to think that that's like that old. Because there's not a lot of like old internet stuff I remember, but that's definitely one of them. Um, there's a weird Photoshop of a cat with like 10 eyes. I remember that. And then some of the, you know, some of the sites that everybody would go to, um, God, what the hell was it called? It had like flash shit on it. Back when everything was, uh, all the videos were in flash. Yeah. What was that? And I feel like someone is listening to this and screaming that, that we can't remember the name of that website. I don't know. You know Newgrounds is still around? Oh, Newgrounds. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of is Newgrounds. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I thought it, no, didn't it have the word Flash in the name? There was like another site. Um, there might have been. It, it was something like, you know, Funny Flash or Tech Flash or something. It, it, it didn't it didn't pan out, but there was like a flat. It, it was like, um, yeah, I mean, Now Dog, but oh, yeah, yeah, both yeah. that and Newgrounds stuck around. <laughs> And this one didn't, but yeah, okay, yeah, Newgrounds. <laughs> Anyhow, I don't, I don't know if we want to keep, uh, keep on this topic, or if we want to like, I don't know, do a, 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 a one eighty into something else. Um, what, what are your preferences tonight? Are you drinking tonight? By the way, no, I'm not drinking yet. I'm still, uh, mm. I, I think I could, but I'm not going to. Sure, that's probably smart. Um. The other thing, I don't know if we want to just say, hey, remember this a bunch of times, so maybe we'll change the subject, but okay. I almost wonder if uh, we should look for some sort of, you know, internet time machine site that will feed us topics. It might be fun for a future episode, you know, to kind of, uh, you know, revisit old things or something. Yeah. I was talking to a guy today. Um, oh, the, 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 this, yeah, the, he was funny. So I get called to the front office. There's a guy here to inspect uh, our air tanks for our compressor units. And I'm like, I didn't, okay, well, whatever. The, he was looking for my boss and then the next person in line, they were gone. I'll do it. He's an older guy. Looks like he's probably like maybe in his 60s, early 60s. Got a hat on. Sorry, I'm burping and it, and it tastes like beer. So I'm walking him around and, you know, Showing him the compressor rooms, and we're kind of going back and forth and talking. And he tells me that he's got an, like an eidetic memory. He just he remembers everything, and it's like, oh, that's that's interesting. I, I definitely know what that is. And he's like, yeah, I remember I told someone this once. And he's like, boy, that must be a blessing, huh? And I was like, no, I've, I'm I'm pretty sure that's terrible. And he's like, it's a curse. And he's he's like, you know, I, I remember all all the stupid things I did, even the stuff I you know was really stupid all the times I hurt myself. I remember when my my wife went crazy and divorced me, and like tried to drive a huge wedge between me and my daughters and it's like i think you would have remembered that um even without the eidetic memory that one sounds like uh, it would would stick a wee bit and he just that, like that happened to me and i don't really remember it so hot it was it was funny though just because he went on this like he went on this tangent for a bit and like we're like standing at the front office we're basically done um but he's on his story, and he's just got to tell me. And then we started, he was telling me about how he was in the Navy and used to cut down trees for a bit. And, like, I got, like, this dude's fucking life story. And um, he was really fun to talk to. I'm not, I'm not making fun of him. It was really, really enjoyable. But, like, I don't, I'm trying to struggle to remember things about the internet and my childhood and whatnot for, like, hey, remember wind time? And I got nothing. And apparently he's got everything. And I, I feel like I would rather have nothing than everything. I feel like I wish I could remember things better. And it's one of those things where, I, you know, I, like, I think about this a lot. Like, if you could go back in time, would you change anything? And my answer is always no. Like, there's a lot of superpowers where it's like, I, in reality, I don't think I want a superpower. But I think I would prefer the ability to remember things because I can, I feel like I can deal with things. So like having a photorealistic memory of bad things I've seen almost isn't different than how my memory works anyways. Sure. So I wish I could also remember good things and like work things like numbers or names. Of I mean, people. there are definitely times where like, I wish I remembered more stuff like, Oh, I watched a really cool YouTube video and they explained a science thing. That's neat. I would love to go up to someone and be like, guess what? I know this thing. Here you go. In actuality, it's gone within 10 minutes. 
I'm not that upset by that. It's one of those, if, if they were doling out superpowers, uh, I would take literally anything else over that. Even if it was a stupid superpower, because I, 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 I know how I live with my memory and I'm not unhappy with it. And I don't know if making it better would make me happier, but like being able to, I don't know, levitate shit definitely would. Mostly because then I could like turn the light on and off for my bed without getting up. That'd be cool. Or like my fan. Uh, I, I would be so lazy with telekinetic powers, Cameron. I'm not like itching to move cars. I'm more itching to like, oh, I don't feel like getting up, but I need to put my dishes in the dishwasher there. Like, hell yeah. Give me that shit. I want a good superpower. Yeah. What's your good superpower? I don't know. Something good. Is it is it to be a vampire or a werewolf? I want to be a vampire. Vampires are cool. See, I always wanted to be a werewolf because I'm a furry. I am already sad and reclusive. Like, <laughs> what, what, I'm going to be different 100 years from now? Like, come on. Sign me up. The the thing with both of the uh, the vampires and werewolves, and we've talked about both of those separately... Uh, in different shows, is that, like, you can cherry-pick the things you like. Like, the Twilight vampires get off pretty well. They can go out in the sun. They're not really cursed. They can... I don't even think they need to be invited to enter stuff. Like, they can eat garlic and white flowers and isn't gonna fuck them up. And really, it's basically just a superpower. Uh, underworld vampires, they, they have maybe a couple of more negatives, but still, like, they're largely fine. Uh, same as certain werewolves, right? Like the lichens from Underworld can basically change at will or if they're really pissed off. That's not so bad. Um, you know, it really depends on the fiction, right? And so, hey, what would you rather be? And it's like, well, what, what, uh, who's the author is kind of the question. Yeah, a little bit. I, I think, um, well, like I, I love, uh, like role play games. And I also love The Sims. And with The Sims, like Sims logic, uh, how that world works, there is both vampires and werewolves. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, at least in Sims 4, I feel like the vampires are fleshed out a lot better. Like they have clear weaknesses and strengths. Um, so it's a it's a rough comparison because I feel like the devs that worked on the werewolf thing were like, what, like six years after the fact and different people. So it's kind of built different, but it's like, I feel like with vampires, it, it's fun to set up a list of rules of what they can and can't do because it puts you in a different frame of mind of like how to address things like not sure. going out at day, uh, you know, the whole, you know, being introduced or yeah, invited in that kind of stuff. I think it's funny how it, like, if you go back to older stories there's a lot of inconsistencies and very like wildly different interpretations of what a vampire might be um sometimes it's like they're shapeshifters and they have all the powers of witches and demons and like other times it's just a zombie yeah i also think <laughs> from like a writing perspective um if you're creating a world with vampires or werewolves or some kind of monster like if there aren't a lot of negatives you're basically just making a weird superhero, which is my issue yeah. with a lot of the monsters in Twilight. Like, and I, and I know Stephanie Meyer's like thesis of and that Morbius. Was, was not and Morbius. You know, they weren't trying to write monster stuff. They're like, no, this is a, supposed to be you know a, a wish fulfillment romance fantasy. I don't want her. Bella's not falling for a monster. She's falling for the perfect guy with some extra baggage on top, and that's fair. Like. That's what she set out to write. So obviously the whole, the I I've never written a vampire or a werewolf, and I'm just like I don't know how I would do it because part of me is like, hey, superheroes fun, and the other part of me is like, the human condition is rough and miserable, and I must talk about it somehow, and this is metaphor, and you know how do you, how do you balance those two things? Because I feel like I would want both. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's weird, um, and again, like you've said earlier, it comes down to how do you want to, like, who is the author? 
Mm-hmm. And what kind of story are you trying to tell? Because it's like with with vampires and werewolves, they're both fictional enough uh, that it's not just a matter of it being fiction. It's like there are certain uh, tropes that you go in expecting. So just because they're pop culture enough by now, if you wanted to write a vampire story, you you have to open with rules just that people don't mistake it for Dracula. Because if you're writing something slightly different than Dracula, is this going to confuse them because they're expecting Dracula? I think what's cool about like the movie Daybreakers and some of the stuff in True Blood is that they're taking this... Because normally, like, oh, there's like a couple vampires or one vampire that's the bad guy. And you don't have to really extrapolate, hey, what's it like being a vampire and living like a proper life? Or like, oh, there's a lot of vampires, what do they do? Like, Daybreakers has the cars with uh, cameras all over so they can drive with the, all the windows down. And, the, you know, it's opaque, but they can still drive and see. Or True Blood's got, you know, the synthetic blood so vampires don't have to murder people. They can just go to a bar or, or a grocery store and buy a six-pack of True Blood. And I like I like that kind of look at um, these monsters. They're turning them more into, like, an urban fantasy kind of thing or, like, a, a bit of a sci-fi. And working working with that uh basis i guess i think is cool i don't know what you would do for like werewolves if you're trying to take a lot of the negatives i mean you'd almost have to have like these safe houses for them that they go to once a month and maybe you know they have to check in and and if they don't check in there there's the werewolf nappers going to look for you to make sure you're not turning into a monster and nab you know going around and mauling people and you could probably do some kind of interesting uh, social commentary on that if you if you did it right. The problem is, is like, if you're trying to be like, hey, this thing's bad, this thing's good. I mean, werewolves killing people is bad, even if, like, the idea of rounding them up once a month is also a little, uh, doesn't quite sit right with me, you know? So, like, you know, I don't know how you would um, work that, but it, it's at least a vessel for, for something more than just monster movie. It would almost be interesting if there was a certain amount of like modern technology worked into it. Like if the if there was like werewolf only ankle bracelets that would like detect if you're like on the prowl or behaving erratically. <coughs> or you do something like uh so I don't know, maybe some kind of like inner ear implant where you turn into a, a werewolf or a werewolf type creature, but it starts buzzing and like you retain your you don't turn into a crazy, like, bloodthirsty, I'm gonna eat the people monster, You, but you retain the powers of it. So, like, once a month, you're very strong, you're very fast, and then all of a sudden, hey, people are hiring these werewolves, I don't know, to move cargo really quickly, or to be hitmen and kill people, or whatever, right? Like, what, what kind of job prospects do you have where you're a superhero for maybe eight hours, and then you're not a superhero anymore? But you're not like a Superman superhero. You're just like three times stronger than a regular person and like four times faster. That could be interesting. Or you have a really good strong sense of smell. Uh, you know, are, are the police looking for you to help solve crimes because you can articulate what you smell where a dog cannot or whatever, right? Like there's there's a, a, a line you could, could definitely travel there and I think have some fun with. Do you remember that robot chicken skit? Uh, it was Vampire 24. No, but that sounds amazing. It was like it was twenty four. Like they would have the real time ticking clock, but it would like throughout the episode it would check in, and it's like during day hours, and it's just a camera of him like sleeping in his coffin, and the the clock is ticking, and then like later it's like you know five p.m. and he wakes up and he checks his clock and he's like, eh. and he like he just sort of lays there waiting for it to get darker. And by the end, it's, like, finally 8 o'clock, so he shows up to work. And, like, oh, you know, Vampire Dracula, we've been been calling you all day. The terrorists bombed the city. He's like, yeah, whatever. I'm here now. (coughs) That's clever. It was kind of cute. It was, like, like you said, though, it's weird to write something like, well, with the werewolves. Do you like it when werewolves are, like, a night thing? Or when it's, like, just during certain full moons? I guess, like, it, it makes more sense to me if it's just during certain full moons. Because that, that, to me, is, like, where it stems from. So it's not that the sun went down, it's that the full moon is out. But I feel like they have to see it to trigger it. 
And so, at least in some stories. And so if that's the case, then you just fucking stay inside and close the windows, right? Like, all of a sudden, you're, you're, you're inconvenienced for six to ten hours once a month. Yeah, wasn't that how it worked in Harry Potter? It was, like, the they, they all, like, shapeshifted into animals and, like, calmed them down and kept them locked up. But it was, like, a manageable thing. It, it, it was like having an illness like uh, diabetes or something where it's like, oh yeah, it's a thing I have to keep in mind, but it doesn't stop me from living my fullest life. And he's smiling to the camera. <clears throat> the, the the funny thing about the werewolves in Harry Potter is that that's how it's portrayed. But then JK Rowling after the fact was like, actually that's supposed to be a metaphor for uh, HIV and AIDS. And that's why no one likes them and why the evil werewolf goes and bites children. And uh, okay. She likes to I- ruin her books post haste. Yeah, I, I can see that. That was clearly uh, in the literature all along, and I believe that. Mm-hmm. Okay, here's another one. Uh, talking about great cinema, are you familiar with The Last Vampire on Earth? No, I'm not, but I really like the title. What's that about? Is it The Last uh, Vampire have, on Earth? Have you ever seen Twilight? Yeah. So imagine if some guy who English was not his first language wrote his own script and directed it with a budget of $80. I, you're selling me. Uh, you know that scene in Twilight where Bella's like, you know, how old are you? He's like, 18. And, and she's like, how long have you been 18? And it's like dramatic and, and romantic mm-hmm. and mysterious. So here's that scene in this one. I think you might have to click on the watch on YouTube for it to timestamp right. <coughs> Is this a Neil Breen movie? Oh shit, this is just all on YouTube. Yeah. Wow. I I like I like how non-blush she is. She's just like, okay, like did you see Jesus? That's an interesting question. I I feel like that's an interesting question to ask, but him just saying, yeah, I saw him talk a couple times is the lamest answer to that. I it, it, so this movie is really fun. Um, there is like a red letter media video about it that I I think is more palatable than actually watching the movie. So unless you're really ready for a bad movie, just look up their review of it. I mean, the thirty seconds I just watched have like the acting is fucking dreadful. It's funny, but like it it's seems like else. they're making a high school movie. You know, like there's like even like the pausing before she says like that's amazing. Like there's this awkward you know like someone said action and then she waited too long and then said it and they didn't cut the the dead air like the, it's just very amateur yeah, the best part this is better than his first movie oh wow you know good for him for making two yeah and 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 good for him improving too i mean to, to be yeah. fair he has accomplished more film than i have <laughs> I know we, we've we've mentioned that with, like, Neil Breen before, where it's like, does Neil Breen make good movies? No. But he makes movies, like, plural, and they make money, apparently, and that's fucking good. Cool. Go, go Neil Breen, you weirdo. Sponsor this show. <laughs> um, so what's funny is, uh, with this movie, it's clearly just trying to be, like, Twilight- which is kind of confusing too, because it's not like Twilight is uh, the director target audience, you know. Mm-hmm. It's it's a strange decision to go with. It must have been like the most popular movie at the time when he decided to write the script, and he's like, "I'll just do one of those." Um, <coughs> excuse me. But there's like a handful of interesting things that they kind of work in, like he. He wants to go to college to learn how to be a like a blood doctor and help people. Oh, that's kind of nice. Yeah. And there's a part where they're eating KFC and he like pretends to eat it, but he has to like throw it up later cuz he can't eat food. And it's like yeah, it would be awkward at social engagements to like it sometimes it's hard enough when you're like when you're being sober and you go someplace and everybody's drinking and people keep offering you drinks and you're like, Oh no, thank you. I don't drink anymore. And sometimes that can be very annoying for the sober person, 
but it can also be like a downer for other people where it's like it's kind of like a reality check of like oh am i drinking too much and it makes you feel bad about yourself yeah where it's just like there's a mutual mild awkwardness that can sometimes build up depending on the group and i kind of wonder sometimes like what uh like if you couldn't eat food like if all you like is blood you can't like pull out the blood packet and just like smear it on your face at the dinner party. <laughs> it would be really yeah, that would be strange. I know I think in context with that, I read something somewhat recently about vampires where it's like they're so weird because they're basically dead and they don't feel anymore. Cuz I remember watching True Blood and any other vampire thing where someone gets changed and you're just like why are they so fucking different now? And you're like, oh, you humans are stupid. It's like, you were a human yesterday, Jeanette, you dumb bitch. Like, wh- wh- why are you so high, high and mighty and hoity-toity now just because you were in the ground for an hour and then someone dug you back up? But then it's like, well, if her body is like basically dead and she doesn't feel anymore and her emotions are kind of gone to some degree, like she, you know, you're basically just like a like a, a sapient zombie in, in, a, in some regard as far as like how you interact with yourself. Are you even going to care if you're at a, you know, at a dinner party with humans and someone hands you like a cheeseburger and you like, can't eat that. You pull out a blood packet and just pour it all over your face. And go, blah, blah, blah. Like you're going to be so over that because it's just not going to occur to you anymore because you don't have shame because that part of your brain died with the, it, you know, was replaced with I like to eat people sometimes. Yeah, you know, it's actually funny. Um, one of the things my Sim had, my vampire, was, uh, like, she started uh, in a small apartment with a roommate. And it was kind of like, okay, <laughs> like, you know, work up the ladder, you know, get a bigger place or whatever. And it's like, it started off cute because uh, she became a painter. So she was painting all day because she didn't have to sleep. And then during the night, she could go out and party and stuff. And it was really fun. But it's like her roommates and friends all grew old and eventually died. And she married somebody, but he grew old and died. And she eventually moved into a big mansion. And it was like all her mansion. And she had like a zombie slave that did all the cleaning and stuff for her. And she basically achieved everything that she wanted out of life. Uh, But one of her like high level vampire perks is that she'll randomly just get sad and cry because she's alone. (laughs) And so it was just interesting because it's like if I let her do her own devices, she would go up to the top room of the mansion and like overlook the whole city at night and just stand there and cry and look out the window. Even though she had like the best paint supplies, you know, all these rooms with expensive things in it, her uh, zombie slave would be playing on the pipe organ, all spooky music, and she would just like stand up there and reflect on things as the rest of the world like went on without her. And it was like, oh, this yeah. is almost better than, like, some vampire stories I've seen. It, I mean, it, it kind of is, right? Like, I'm thinking of True Blood again, because that's kind of one of my big frameworks for, hey, let's take, you know, these vampires have been around a long time and they're intermingling with humans. And it's like, what do they do? Oh, they start a nightclub where there's lots of fucking and something maybe akin to liquor for vampires. Like, and sure, you'd want a nightclub, but I also wonder, like, if you're, 2000 years old do you do you give a shit about that stuff anymore like it's hard to fathom hitting like a hundred years old right and like all the stuff someone has seen and experienced in a hundred years you you multiply that by 20 like i'm not the same person i was five years ago like what kind of how much growth are you gonna have which is kind of why like elves are so interesting but then kind of boringly written in most fantasy because it's like oh they live forever that's cool but I don't want to have to write a character that thinks along those lines. And so I'll just be like, well, they live forever, but their like maturity is super slow. So they're kind of just like people in a lot of ways. Like this person is like this person. It's like, no, he'd be that elf's like 200 years old. He's not going to be like a 14 year old. I mean, maybe as a ratio he is, but like he's not mentally going to be 14. He's going to be 200. And, and so the 2000 year old elf should be fucking weird. Instead of like, I'm a wise old Gandalf elf. I just, you know, I'm older than Gandalf, but I'm really just Gandalf. I guess what I'm saying is fiction needs to do better. Yeah, I like when fiction does better. Um, I, I'm i going to assume that you're up to date on League of Legends lore. Oh, uh, no. 
So you know the little like elf dudes? They're like they're the gnome equivalent, I guess. Sure. Um I wanna say there's one of those <clears throat> in Arcane, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh so their species is immortal. And not just like they age forever, but it's like they, they can't die. Like I think if if you were to stab them to death, it's like they would just kind of reincarnate later as okay. themselves with all their memories. Like they just, they can't die. They're, they're like eternal spirits, but it's not like they're fae creatures that stick to the spirit world. It's like they walk around cities like normal. And what's interesting about that is how sometimes these things come up. We're like in arcane, you know, the, the guy's very old fashioned and he's kind of like, Oh, I think this technology is too dangerous you know, we should wait, you know, 500 years and test it. And all the people around are like, yeah, I'm going to die five times over before that happens. So why don't we right. do it now? And it creates this thing where it's like, he sees the danger, but also everyone debating against him will die of old age before the argument's done. <clears throat> yep. And it's like, well, that's kind of interesting. What's also interesting is one of the new characters in League of Legends is one of those. And her whole personality is that she's like a hot topic goth who wants to die. Like she is just, she's tired of living and she knows that she can't die. So she's just sort of like depressed and emo all the time. And it's kind of like, you know, visually there's like a fashion statement thing where it's like, okay, that'll get the player's eyes. But also narratively, this is an interesting topic to explore. Yeah. I feel like I've seen that like immortal and wants to die in other fiction and i'm drawing a blank on oh i'm sure i mean it's a thing it's not always handled very well i you know i am surprised of all properties that league of legends has like palatable and interesting lore i am so looking um, forward to their mmo dude oh they're actually doing an mmo that's cool they're doing an mmo with a bunch of people that quit blizzard oh wow that's that's kind of exciting kind of like it's not like i have my hopes up that it'll be the best thing ever but it's also got a lot of promise so the immortal that wants to die is on tv tropes that's called death seeker that like they, they, they named it that you can go open this and find a list of okay no, that's a good animation and, and stuff it looks like which is uh which is cool or maybe it's just people that that want to die never mind because like the me seeks are on here and they're definitely not fucking immortal well they're kind of immortal i just got done reading um gideon the ninth and haro the ninth i'm not going to spoil either book uh i don't know how old they are as far as books go but in the second one haro ends up teaming up and like joining uh these they're called lictors which i'm thinking is probably based on like the word lich but they're vaguely immortal necromancers and the only ones still around are like thousands and thousands of years old like 5,000 plus years old and um she's she's new to this process and trying to you know meet them and deal with them and she's kind of crazy and and there's a lot of baggage to her and when a different character shows up and meets them and and she's got a bit less baggage and is a bit more like you know quote-unquote normal as far as how she reacts to fucked up things like her react, she's like, "Oh my god, these these lictors are fucking weird. Like they're so old, and you can just see it on them." And so her view of them is totally different, and it's kind of cool. And like the the lictors themselves are like really kind of bizarrely written, and it's because they've been around for so long and they've experienced like so much trauma and just stuff. And I I think there's maybe a a, a slightly different logical conclusion that you could reach to that kind of character, but I do appreciate that the books really tried to make them kind of weird and unhinged and the things that are important to them maybe wouldn't be important to you at all because you don't have 5,000 years of experience, like that kind of thing. It, it, was, it was refreshing to see the attempt because I, I look at them as like elves and I feel like most elves are just not... I mean, I may, I may have been reading bad fantasy, right? Because most of the, the, the stuff with elves in it is Dragonlance and Dungeons and Dragons and whatnot. I don't know if those books are really trying to talk about the human condition too much, but Drizzt's a really boring elf. Like, that motherfucker, you know, he, he should have more things to worry about than which orc he's going to go stab. So there's a really good side quest in uh, the new WoW expansion. Let me see. 
I like this character you just sent me, by the way. She's cute, but also like yeah. looks very sad. Oh yeah, I, went, I was looking up her name and I can't find it because it's everyone's like new character. This new character is new. I thought I just is it Vex? I think her name is Vex. So there's that. <clears throat> um. Oh wow. <laughs> so the whole story in Dragonflight is uh like the the Dragon Isles are are open right. But they set up all this lore that, like, the the reason that you couldn't go there before was that it was, like, hidden. Like, not just they can't find it. It's, like, magically taken off the map, basically. Okay. To, like, preserve it on purpose. And I think think it was supposed to come back sooner, but because of some, like, magic problem, it didn't. And so it ended up staying dormant for 20,000 years. Uh, The dragons in WoW are, like... Or like the ageless immortal, like technically there are some that were alive that left the Dragon Isles and they're still alive today. And there's this very interesting quest chain where uh, it's it's not much of a quest. It's just like there's a guy um, sitting on the edge of a tower and just like looking at the view. And if you want to, you can just sort of sit next to him and eventually he'll start talking to you. And he's a dragon. And he remembers, you know, being here and, but it's like, he remembers it being different and it it reminds him of things like before bad things happened in his life. So it's like, he's reflecting on the black dragons betraying everyone. And it's like, he, he talks about how he has a memory of one of his friends was a black dragon and she killed his family. And he remembered like coming back to see her standing over their bloody corpses and he had to kill her. And he remembers the time that they were younger and they would prank the older dragons. And he can remember her face so vividly, but he can't remember her name because it's just been so long. Sure. And it's like, he wants to remember the good parts, but so much of it is missing. And it just kind of goes on for a while. And it's one of these things where almost everybody has this moment where they like genuinely found this and they had to go to Reddit and say, guys, I just found the most amazing side quest. If you click on the dwarf, oh, because it's actually a good illustration of, you know, if you're 20,000 years old, how do you look at the world? You know? Yeah. (laughs) Well, even like that guy I was talking to with the, you know, testing the, the, the gas uh, tanks at work today, right? Like, um, you know, he gets out his phone, he's got a flashlight on it, he's taking pictures of the nameplates and writing stuff down on his, you know, his notepad or whatever. And it's like, what what's it like doing? Because he's been doing this for like 30 years. He's like, you know, what's it like? He's like, oh man, when I first started, you know, I had a a pen, a pencil, a notepad, and like, that, it, uh, you know, a flashlight in my pocket kind of thing. Like, Everything was that way. I, I, it was so different. You know, we would, I'd write down my phone number on a scrap of paper and hand it to you instead of, you know, because uh, you didn't have business cards at the time. And so just like the amount of things that can change over the course of 30 years is crazy. You know, just even like your own town can look totally different because buildings can fall and be built and uh, some new company buys a rec center and turns it into something else and you're it was your dad all along and now you can't go skiing. And so to like take that concept and spread it over thousands of years, like I'm a dragon a long time ago, I was a baby dragon, but that was a really long time ago. It's such a eye opening kind of way to make people think about time and then like long expanses of time. And so when it's written well and like kind of comes out of the blue, like this side quest did, I think that's why one of the reasons why it's so effective. And I wish more, I wish more stories would kind of look at stuff like that. You know, it, it's not just like, oh man, things are really big and scary. It's like, no, things can be really like time and scary too. I also like the concept of um, like with, with human life, sometimes we have to think about like, hey, when we're wasting our time, that's time we never get back. Mm-hmm. And I almost wonder what it would like if I was a vampire and I didn't have to worry about time. I could probably waste a hundred years playing Sims four. And at some point I'll look at the calendar and go, Oh man, I should probably like do something. I don't know. (laughs) 
like I, I would still, if I had in, infinite ears, I would still find a way to feel bad about the time I've wasted. Like, boy, I, I could have learned science and cured cancer. I think, though, there's that one um, Spider-Man comic strip where the guy was like, I turned people into dinosaurs. Ah, yeah, yeah. He's like, you could have saved people and cured cancer. He's like, well, I didn't want to save people. I wanted to turn people into dinosaurs. I think even with an infinite amount of time, if you just don't have the drive to like, I wanted to solve all the blood diseases and cure cancer, like you're just not going to do it. Some people are a Morbius and some people are a Morbi don't. Exactly. Exactly. That was fucking really clever. No, it wasn't. It was really good. I want to, that was, that made me laugh. Morbius and Morbiism. I like in books where like like the, the urban fantasy stuff where it's not just vampires and werewolves, but there's like fey creatures, you know, like uh, like fairies, and sometimes they're really small, and there's pixies, and they're even smaller, and um, the the monsters and creatures from that kind of setting, like those are also in play. Uh, True Blood did a bit of that, and that was fun. There's some really trashy fantasy novels my mom has that that also do that. I don't know how I would integrate that kind of stuff into like something more serious, but that's also because I'm drunk and haven't thought about it. So checkmate atheists. So I like, um, like games like D and D and wow, where the fantasy races are like various. Mm -hmm. I always love the head exercise of just, day-to-day life for something shaped different than a human like when there's little gnomes and goblins running around it's like you kind of imagine a little hobbit hole is like a house but smaller but it's like yeah but what if you work in a city with a bunch of different people like does every store have hobbit ramps so that you can reach the higher shelves or like and also like how drastically do people get different like are there half giants that are 10 feet tall also because it's like now every door has to be big enough for them but also all the shelves have to be hobbit accessible right so there's things of like these sorts of questions of like okay how do you actually address these things and (coughs) excuse me i just i love thinking about day-to-day life stuff like that i i'm so tickled how in japanese media like monster girls have become popular because I love seeing like designs of like how would a harpy wear clothes if you don't have hands, and so it's like everything has to be basically like a bib that you can drape over yourself to both be decent, but also you can get it on by yourself. Sure, like everything or like centaurs, like uh, you have to have enough room to turn around. You know things that I feel like normal people don't think about. You know what. That reminded me of a Zootopia, because one of the things that was kind of yes. nice about that movie is, like, the animals were all vaguely to scale, and so you have, you know, mice alongside elephants, and the mice are fucking tiny. And they definitely thought about, like, how, how would all of these things interact together and not accidentally murder each other? And I, I really appreciate the the work that went into that, because you look at something like the Redwall books, where it's all a bunch of animals, but they're all vaguely the same size. Like, badgers are a bit bigger than everybody else, and mice are a little bit smaller, but you're talking maybe a head, not five body lengths. And I, and I do appreciate that, and I also appreciate when people look at the mundane side of the fantastic, and I don't, I don't know if, like... I don't think I've always gravitated towards that, but like the older I get, the more I'm just like, oh, this is a really cool fantasy world. I wonder who the, you know, who's the, who's the cool chef? Uh, What's the waste disposal like? You know, what, who are the custodians in, in the dark elf capital of Menso Berenza's whatever, lots of Z's because made up fantasy words. To me, that's like more interesting is taking something really crazy fantastical and then just focusing on something that is not. But the way it interacts with becomes fantastical just by nature of the, its surrounding. Yeah, those are always fun questions to explore. I mean, it's kind of like uh, Space Station 13, right? Playing the janitor or the cook or the bartender. Oh, yeah. 
and you're just like, oh, what's it like to be a janitor on a space station? Well, let's see. The aliens invaded for a bit. A bunch of people died. You have to go mop up the blood. You got to fix the lights that burnt out. And those are really mundane tasks, but everything surrounding them is fucked up, which is cool. Or like, oh, you're the cook. And then some guy walks in and steals some shit. And you're like, oh, that might be weird. And then he creates, you know, a virus that kills half the the boat or half the space station. And you have to like kind of emotionally deal with that because you didn't stop him. I yeah, I love these opportunities to think and I, I like you commented i think this is before the show started but i really gravitate to games that have a make your own story element mm-hmm. in a way that like i man that new god of war i don't think you could pay me to play it there's nothing about that i find at all appealing like yeah. i would rather just watch a movie than have to play through that whole game uh, but you give me like a sandbox that isn't finished yet. It's still in early access, and it's like, oh, sign me up right the fuck now. I know I, I've definitely turned into that too, where it's like, oh, this game has a really good story, and it's like that's neat. So does most of the books yeah. on my bookshelf, and they don't involve me doing work. Yeah, there's a interesting thing. I, I think if the game does something truly unique that you can't do in a book. Like uh, Doki Doki Literature Club, that only functions as a game. Yeah. Uh, for the story that it's trying to tell. And so it's like, hey, bravo, you, you did something interesting. Uh, when I look at God of War, where it's just like, you know, hold up on the stick while the characters talk. And I think there's so many better ways to get the story across. I'm thinking of like uh, The Walking Dead, you know, the, the season one, the Telltale game from ages ago now. Yeah. And, like, that had a really well-written narrative to it. There was a lot of really cool stuff. There's some cool gameplay elements to it that definitely only worked as a game. And I and played I it. And I am so looking I, forward to that Star Trek one, man. See, my, my take here is that, like, I played it. I guess I had fun. I will never play another one because it was also so cumbersome and slow and kind of boring when it wasn't being good. And I'm just like, my God, I could do... I could get this level of story a lot of other places without any of the bullshit in between you're not wrong <laughs> it's kind of funny when it comes to game stories i know like for the longest time i was like oh i mean that story is pretty good for a video game i don't know how much that holds true now i know like they've gotten quite a bit better over the last decade i just don't play a lot of them but then like the stuff i play i'm definitely not there for the story like i'm not playing orcs must die for a narrative i'm not playing earth defense force for the narrative They'll keep my attention and help me, you know, help me a bit. Like, if it's good, that's a bonus. Well, like, Earth Defense Force has a stupid story, but it also knows it's stupid. And so it's basically just like a B-movie that you'd find on the sci-fi channel. And that's fucking awesome. Because it knows what it wants to do, and it does what it wants to do. And it, it's not trying to be anything more than the sum of its parts. And so, to me, that's a good story. Or Earth Defense Force has a good story because of the context of what it's in. And then I look at, I don't know, like, um, Bioshock Infinite, and it's like, that had a decent story. Like, there was cool stuff there. I was not in love with that game, and I know, like, the it seems to me like the best way to revisit that game is through a YouTube video that takes all of the story bits and then some of the shooting and just cuts it into a movie. Yeah, I watched, like, a two-hour cut of Bioshock Infinite that was designed to be a movie. And I watched it with my parents, actually, and they all enjoyed it. Everybody, it was like, oh, that was such a great movie. Like, I can't imagine wanting to sit down and, like, what if all the points that were interesting stopped and I shot at 20 guys for a little bit? Yeah. In between these scenes. <clears throat> I know my brother has The Last of Us 2, and at some point he would like me to play that, and then I should probably replay the first one because I don't really remember the narrative that much. And those games are so long and dour that it's just like, I don't know. I've never read The Road. I could pick that up and do that instead. Yeah, but that's that. You know, we had a fun uh, time talking, but I guess it's about the time we should wrap up. Do you have a glad space? Yeah, I think so. Um, well, actually, first, do you have any closing comments on the topic of 
vampire and werewolf life. I'm sorry this was so incoherent. I I don't know what I expected out of this episode, but I feel like if we had a topic, we were walking in the wrong direction for most of it. And maybe that was maybe this will be fun to listen to. But sometimes I I, I, I don't know what I expect out of this show anymore. I think our tangents are better than our best laid plans. That's probably fair. Um, as far as, I guess, do you have any closing thoughts? Because otherwise I, I can move on to old gladdy space. I think, uh, I think werewolves can be neat, but if you ever want to get my attention, it's vampires. Like, I feel like you, you add vampires to any setting and I become interested and you add werewolves and I'm kind of like, yeah, okay. They're very different, right? Like, like the vampire is like the high class rogue almost, and a werewolf is like a furry barbarian. Um, in a lot of ways, I prefer werewolves to vampires, but I do think, as far as a narrative perspective goes, there are way better vampire stories than werewolf stories, and there's just like more of them, and there's there's more to do with them. I think as a concept, I okay, which is unfortunate. One quick thought: What if? beauty and the beast he wasn't cursed to be a beast what if he was just a werewolf that'd be kind of interesting like he he doesn't have the means to really control himself but to her like she just sees him as a person like maybe like she doesn't even realize like there there could be a beast attack and she never connects the dots that's him transforming at night um and she doesn't understand why he's distant and why people stay away from the area. Like that might actually be an interesting kind of story. Yeah, yeah, you could you could make that work. I guess I've never Maybe. thought about it enough really. Is is part of the problem where I'm just like, "Oh, it's a werewolf story." Do you kind of just shrug? And it's like, "No, no, like oh, there's got to be good ones out there. I just probably haven't read them, you know, or, or watched them. There's got to be new clever things you can do with werewolves that don't involve putting them in space." So, ultimately that could be cool. Oh, dude, a lunar werewolf colony where like they they're stuck at werewolves at all times because it's the moon i think depending on how you define like what it means to be a werewolf yeah that could be fun imagine if it was like generations and they finally like found a, a way to like sedate and rescue the the survivors and so they finally get away from the moon for the first time and they it's like they're basically wolves that have to become and learn to be humans. That might be more of a, of a comedy setup, but <laughs> I thought of a different shit post comedy idea. And it's like uh, a bunch of, you know, a group of guys going out for, you know, it's November. They're going to go hunting. They got the hunting gear, but they don't have guns. And it turns out they're werewolves. And like, they're just going to turn into wolves and go hunt deer as wolves. And like, that's their hunting. And I think if I knew more about hunting, that would be a really fun, like urban fantasy story to write. Yeah, I think that would be fun. But yeah, I think we had fun talking about spookum monsters. I like um, the how, I like the monsters. How about how about that glad space? You said you had something good. Yeah, um, I don't. I, I maybe have plugged this before uh, a long time ago, but so I follow the Eve Six Twitter account, um, which is a, a fairly fun shit posty Twitter account. But he does uh, advice columns every once in a while, and apparently he's doing them with BuzzFeed now. And he's a really good, like, advice columnist. Uh, people will send him pretty heavy topics, and he will give them, I think, what seems like very sound, foundational, like, here's a building block set of ideas that you could maybe do to, to fix your problem, or at least, you know, start thinking about fixing your problem, depending on what it is. And so I would recommend, I, I'm, I'm going to recommend, like, BuzzFeed, but I read this guy's advice column today, and I was like, man, this is, this is pretty cool. So, it's... Uh, What's the name of it? Eve Six Hard in a Blender Advice Column, uh, I, I believe is the, the name of it. But if you go to BuzzFeed News, it'll probably show up pretty quickly. Or just, just Google Eve Six Advice Column. But, I, I you know, this is something that I, I don't think it's going to update very often. But when it does, I'm definitely going to, like, make time to read it. That's actually a good glad space. Yeah, he, he, he promotes a lot of, like, self-care and self-love. Which, uh, I, whatever, right? I mean, I saw. I guess th- those are good things. Whether I practice them or not is another another matter entirely. But I feel like his approach to them 
makes sense at least to like, on an intellectual level to me. So I read this and I'm like, oh, like you know, some of some of the what this guy says is really smart. Like, and I think is you know maybe something to do. You know, depending on your mindset or your your life, uh, where wherever you're at right now. I think that's a good tip. Plus, then you can go to BuzzFeed like a normie. <laughs> no, thank you. Man, oh, I, well, some YouTuber I was watching, he said something like, um, being a normie is the new uh, counterculture. And that kind of struck what? a chord with me. Is like a really interesting thing to say. I mean, by definition, a normie is the culture. Right, but I, I think it's more of like the the circles you're in. Um, like if, if I look at it from music, I'm in, you know, a couple of, of discords where we talk about music and it seems like everybody wants to talk about really obscure, uh, hard to listen to things. And then, so they're like, Hey, what are your favorite songs this year? And I'm like, these pop songs, people are like, Oh, that's fucking weird. And it's like, no, it's not like, it's literally part of the culture. These songs have like tens of millions of views. It, it, it's, it, it's the, the exact opposite of weird. But in this group of people, like being part of the culture is is counterculture, uh, and I and so I don't I don't think he's meaning it literally. I think there's a you know there's a certain like irony to it where he, you know he talks about punk rock a lot, but he likes pop music and like mainstream country, and so do tens of millions of people throughout the world. Like that's very normal to like hundreds of millions more than likely. But when you're only talking to people that like metalcore and pop. Or, or punk rock like being like oh i really like the new taylor swift song is gonna like really be strange to them okay and it just kind of made me think about the better. uh yeah it just kind of made me think about like the places i i'm a part of as far as community goes people i talk to and just how sometimes when i'm like oh i'm, I'm excited to go see you know the new guardians of the galaxy movie and that just seems like the, a shocking thing and it's like no like a lot of people are excited to go see the new Guardians of the Galaxy movie that's like the exact opposite of shocking it's extremely normy and that's okay Are you going to see the Dungeons and Dragons movie? I kind of want to. It looks fun. It looks fun. I I feel annoyed cuz it's like so pandery but at the same time it looks fun so maybe I should try it. I would say go. I mean if it's disappointing Oh well, you you lost a couple hours. I mean, a couple hours and like fifteen dollars, but yeah. Or just wait till it's on Redbox. Yeah, Redbox is great. I'm so happy they're still around. I love Redbox so much. Anyways, what's your glad space, Cameron? I don't know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, so we're just talking about how I like sandbox games where you make your own story. Yeah. Are you familiar with Dwarf Fortress? I am familiar in that I, I've heard of it. I vaguely know what it's about, but I've never played it. Uh, have you ever seen it? Like a screenshot? I I want to say yes, but I couldn't tell you. It's in black and white, right? Uh, No. Oh, then no, maybe I haven't. I think, you know, you're kind of onto something, though. It's, <coughs> excuse me. Is it like ASCII art? Yeah, it's like ASCII. Okay, okay, yeah, I have seen um, screenshots of it then. Yeah, so it, that's a that's a cult classic. It's been around for years. It's still going. They still update it. You can play it for free. If I, I recommend anybody out there look up YouTube reviews of like not just the game, but just people telling stories. Um, but what's kind of neat is that they made a version and released it on Steam. So now you can actually like support the guy that's been working on it for all these years. Oh, that's pretty cool. But also, yeah, the Steam version is like it's a little more stable and properly tested and it has improvements that are like they make it more user friendly and new player friendly. So it's actually something I can recommend to people now. It's still got this barrier to entry, but if you follow a guide, it's not actually that hard to play. But it just uh it's a fantasy sim. I guess I should explain what it is, right? Yeah. Um, so you get this randomly generated world and you get some dwarves and it's up to you to basically build it into like a functioning city. So they're going to have different needs and you like, you know, you, you mine resources and trees and stuff and uh, you, you prepare to fight off um, 
you know, monsters and goblins and stuff. But there's all these very interesting social interactions. So, like, uh, I, like I strongly recommend the Seth review because his reviews are funny. But he also just shares some great Dwarf Fortress stories. Like, there was a time where the town had a human bard. And everybody loved the bard. And him playing kept all the dwarves happy all the time. So it made the, the whole city, like, a lot more functional. But the one problem the city had was a were zebra kept showing up and like killing random dwarves, and that would drive down their happiness. Eventually, it turned out the bard was the were zebra. That's amazing. And so what they did was you set up like they basically gave him a room that was full of chickens, and so when he would zebra out, he'd get this lust to kill, and he'd snap a couple chicken necks and get it out of his system and move on. And so it stopped upsetting dwarves because there weren't dwarf corpses everywhere. And everybody just loved him being a, a cool bird. And it's like, this is kind of interesting. Just seeing these interactions naturally happen. Um, I like how that is, is like, kind of about our topic. Like, it's, uh, you know, you <laughs> oh, have an yeah. on-topic lad's face. That's funny. No, it, it worked out great. Um, there's another story he shares where uh, there was, like, a great artist was making his masterpiece. And his masterpiece was a stone, like, etching. And it depicted him stabbing another dwarf. And then once it was revealed, he just actually stabbed that other dwarf. And it's like, hey, okay. So, something's going on here. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, I think um, you can watch people play Dwarf Fortress and just listen to them share their joy of the game. And you get something out of it. Sure. It is free. So if you're curious enough after watching some YouTube videos, just go ahead and try it. It's very interesting. There's also like an adventure mode where you only control one character. And I think you can actually play that loaded into other maps. So like you could run the simulation for a while. And when you're satisfied with it, then you can go play an adventure game within that map and go explore that city that you your dwarves built out. But from the perspective of just one character. It's just, it's very interesting how complex it gets. Yeah, that, that sounds, um, that sounds like something that'll be fun to YouTube. I, I've, I've heard about enough about the game, but I've never explored it. But I, those kinds of, the, the sim stuff, right, where you basically tell your own story and are, you stay within the rules of the game, but try to break them a little bit too. You know, that, that kind of stuff can be really neat. Um, not totally for me, but I really appreciate it's one of those things where you're not going to get that out of any other medium other than video games, which is cool. Yeah, this is one of those where that's your only opportunity for this kind of story is through the medium. Which, again, we were just talking about. But yeah, that's my glad space. Look up Dwarf Fortress. Yeah. But yeah, I guess that's about it. Um, any closing remarks before we say goodbye to everybody? Nope. Okay, goodbye, everybody. Bye, everybody.